This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. This is Jesse. You want me to say I'm Fred? (laughs) 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 Just checking. All right. And you are... You are Fred. How do you okay, pronounce your last name, Fred? Greenhalge. Greenhalge, okay. Uh, Fred yeah. Greenhalge from Final Rune Productions, is that correct? Radio Drama that is Revival. Correct. All right. Both. Both. Both and both. <laughs> so, Fred from uh, Maine. That's what I'm going to call you. Fred from <laughs> Maine. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> no, that would be uncool. <laughs> so, so I get this clear. Uh, Radio Drama Revival is a podcast, correct? Yep. Yep, uh, Variety Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, so yeah, so uh, Radio Drama Revival is a podcast, Variety Show, and Final Ruin is original work that I have created. Okay. Yeah, you you put on your own stuff, but mostly uh, you put on radio drama from, modern radio drama from all over the world. So um, it's kind of like Sonic Society, but uh, just you instead of two people. Yep, pretty much. Um, shorter form, too, a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's about half hour, hey? Yep. Yeah, depends on how I feel, but usually half hour. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I, I guess they're, I, they're supposed to be an hour? It's, I, usually, I, yep. I don't know if they actually follow that format, but um, I've never actually heard either of yours on the radio. I've only heard the podcast mm-hmm. versions. How long, is, how long has it been running Radio Drama Revival? Oh, let me see. It's been just over two years now. Um, okay. January '07. Did you podcast from day one? I did. That was a. I wanted to do a podcast, and at the same time, a radio radio slot became available, so it was a. I got a twofer. Well, good. Good, good. I I, I must have picked up on it pretty pretty early because I've been listening for a long time. Cool, cool. Yeah, um, so, you've yeah. got some new music recently, though. That's very uh, makes me. Um, I don't know. It's it's sort of hypnotic. What's <laughs> the music that you use at the beginning of the show? Uh, it's a, it's actually a, from uh, Roger Gregg. One of it's an instrumental from one of the. He did a piece of poetry of us, like kind of like a slam poetry thing, just like dramatized poetry, and it's an instrumental from that. He's allowed me to use as my theme. It's uh, I don't I don't know what it's called, but it it's like uh, it's it's. Totally different from what I would expect from almost anything, but it's also it's 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 like you can't hum it, you can't sing it, but um, I think about it. <laughs> I'm like going through my day, and oh, here's that song popping up. Or it's not really a song; it's a tune. It is a tune. Can you hum it for me? So um. You've got something coming up for October, is that right? Uh, yeah, it's going to be huge. I just—it's my Halloween show. I've done it. I've actually done a radio drama revival special um, for the last two years for Halloween, and, it, and I arranged it because I got the radio station to allow me to do a two-hour slot. Um, but it's all been hosted work. So the first year I did um, the audiobook narrator Bill Dufresne lives quite uh, near to me, and he. Uh, is also an audio drama producer, so I had some of his work on the first year. It was really great uh, Lovecraft story that he did, and I mixed that in. Um, I had the Gristmill um, in there both years. Um, so, and then my own, I, had, I also debuted my own work that year as well with a piece, Dark Passenger. So I had I, I had fun the first year. It's it was actually from a marketing perspective, it was really great because it was the first. I think it's when Radio Drama Revival really started to pick up steam. I got a lot more traffic starting after that Halloween show and started featuring a lot more horror because obviously there was a following there and then I did it again last year and last year the idea popped into my mind that I should do a Halloween live Halloween show and several of the audio drama people I really admire were doing it. Um, Chatterbox Theater is going to be doing it for either the second or third year. Um, out on the West Coast, Willamette Radio Workshop is doing a Halloween show that's uh, really good. In fact, they're going to be playing a piece of mine at one of their Halloween shows uh, which I'm also going to feature, so that's it's. I kind of wrote it for their contest, and also said, you know, this is good. I'm going to do it too. And then also, I I, and I think Icebox Radio Theater. I don't know if they're doing one again this year, but they've done a Halloween special as well. So it seems to be 
in 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 the circle of audio drama people, I really like and admire that 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 a live Halloween show is just a, a cool thing to event, and I I thought it would be the time to bring it to Portland, Maine, and of course I and I can't forget. Um, uh, down in Boston, Mass., um, the post-Meridian players are doing their Halloween show for I'm not sure how many years now, but they're doing like three shows this year. I'm going to be at one of them, and of course my show will be on, on the Halloween night, but they've, they've done good. So I've seen, I've seen a lot. I've had a lot, a lot of people who are, have inspired me to do my own show, and uh, now I'm going to try my hand at it. We'll have four plays, uh, one by Roger Gregg that's uh, sort of, uh, one of his scripts that he did for Crazy Dog Live, um, a sort of a spoof on the couple moves from the city to the country haunted manor mem um there's a there, there's a zombie one by kevin anderson who whose work is frequently on the drabble cast and dune steve audio podcast he's great um there will be that like i said a, a short of my own and original and there's also a piece by a local writer mark laflam who is kind of like a crime writer um i think he also is on a journalist you know uh beat and he's got some interesting crime stories on his website and uh, we're doing a, a haunted uh, kind of a, a really creepy ghost story set on an ice fishing uh, ice oh, lake, uh, lake. yeah yeah that one's gonna that one's really really eerie and it has some calls for some very very creepy sound effects that are uh to pardon the pun a bit chilling <laughs> <laughs> well, so, gonna it's gonna be, be a big I show wish, wish i was there that would be so great yeah i i am uh, with a bit of luck, I'm going to be video streaming it. It is, of course, uh, through the radio station. It's going to be broadcast in the local area, and it'll be streamed online. But I'm also going to hope to get a video stream up. I'm not sure. Hopefully, a few people will check it out. Um, and I'm going to try and put that on RadioDramaRevival.com and FinalRune.com, and maybe even on the uh, radio station's website. We'll see. What about uh, putting a, a video feed in the podcast? Ah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll try that. And, and obviously, as soon as it's recorded, I'm going to be recording it digitally. And, you know, by midnight that night, if I can, I'm going to try and put it on the podcast so people who missed the live stream will be able to hear it as soon as they possibly can get it to them. It's, um, it's a big show. I'm just lo- looking at the, the uh, live October 31st, 2009, 7 to 9 p.m., two hours. Yeah, two hours. So half hour per show, something like that, and... Yep, and then, yeah, and there's going to be the the a crypt keeper inspired MC to sort of keep it keep it ghoulish between the between the acts. But yeah, um, about that about that length. Um, there will be a short plug. It's going to be a, a fundraiser for the radio station WMPG. Here is trying to um, uh, pump up their signal strength. They're going to be getting a new transmitter, and it's going to make uh, my local listenership get a lot uh, significantly improved. So uh, hopefully, we can, you know, drum up some cash for the radio station at the same time that we give everyone a good haunt on Halloween. Oh, and there's going to be lots of broken celery, I guess. There will be broken celery. There will be uh, <laughs> chewing on spaghetti. Uh, I can get my uh. I, came up, I came up with like 40 different 40 different props that I need. Uh, let me, let's see here. We got uh, hammer, cutlery draw, cabinet, axe, glasses, uh, guitar case, fishing line, and bucket leather <laughs> so, i'm gonna be i'm gonna do it anyways between now and then i'm going to uh be at goodwill quite a lot celery and other nasties mush, mushy pumpkin for horrific attack scene <laughs> <laughs> all right nice oh i'm looking forward to that that's great um i'll have to i'll have to revisit it i've got a nice youtube video of us mashing up a pumpkin for dark passenger which was awesomely sounding and I'll, I'll have to get that back in circulation for october because we that, that's a <laughs> it just shows you how what you can what you watch and what you hear are two very different things in my yeah opinion. well we hope so <laughs> otherwise <Yeah. laughs> uh those screams are real <laughs> yeah yeah true. that's cool i i didn't know you were a youtube guy as well uh, I'm playing around with it. I'm really excited about the Zoom Q3. It's it, I was hoping I'd have it a month ago, but you know I'll get it when I get it. And it's basically a Zoom H2 field recorder, but they've added video capability. So oh. I'm I'm getting someone who's going to just be doing YouTube footage from the Halloween show. So we're going to have a lot of little fun outtakes, audience responses, behind the scenes stuff. Um, I'll be feeding out after that show goes up. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you you that's how you're speaking to us now, right? Um, yeah, my, my Zoom. You know, this is, I use this thing so much. Um, I wish they would give me a commission to sell it because everyone I know who's wanted a, a portable microphone, I, I give them, I tell them to get this one. Um, and it works for Skype too. Neat. 
All right. So, um, oh, sorry, Scott, you were going to say something? No, no, no. I was just uh, thought that was cool. So yeah. you're using a, a Zoom phone? Uh, Zoom H2. The, uh, the, it's a field recorder. Um, oh, a Zoom as in Z-O-O-M. Zoom. Oh, Z-O-O-M. I thought you were saying Zoom. Zoom is not a phone. Zoom. Yeah. No, Zoom. That's cool. Zoom is a player. <laughs> yeah. Neat. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it online. Um, it's like a little handheld uh, sound recorder. Yeah, I, I think I got it when it first came out in 2007. I was like, when am I ever going to use this? And then I use it for everything now. And it's <laughs> nice, for, <laughs> um, nice for podcasting. Let's see, I'm out, I'm out here um, on Lake Kawasakanti. I'm actually camping. I'm in a cabin at the moment. Uh, I got some great sounds of the geese flying south in the winter yesterday. Um, and, you know, I just carry it with me in my pocket everywhere. Some people carry, you know, their their digital camera. I got my digital recorder, and I, I've collected a lot of very bizarre sound. Anytime I hear something that's kind of cool, you know, that's the problem with this. It's an addiction. You get, mm-hmm. you get, you start listening to interesting stuff, and suddenly people are like, what are you doing? I need to record. I need to record. And, you know, mm-hmm. come up with a funny, funny library. Do you use Audacity for editing? I use Adobe Audition and and really really like it. It's uh it's easier to use in Audacity. It's easier to to move stuff around, um, and it's cheaper than Pro Tools. So it's a nice it's it's midway between. And a lot of people remember it back from the cool edit days. But I've I've been using it for everything for about three years now and um, have no complaints. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, Scott, did you get a chance to listen to the Most Dangerous Game? Yeah, I sure did. Yeah, in fact, I was just going to uh, talk about that. You it, you recorded that kind of live, or, you know, quote, live, or yeah. on location, I guess, is the way to say it. Is, is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, exactly. That was neat. Yeah, and that's, I mean, kind of, it, it, I was just thinking about this the other day. It comes because I'm a little bit lazy in post-production. I, I'm not the best person at layering sound effects and making, you know, effects and all that sort of thing. So if I can just get the sound to sound right the first time, um, I'm happy, quite happy with it. Um, the the other thing, of course, is I'm also uh, can't afford a decent studio, and being going out in the field, and you can record, you know, without paying money to rent out a studio, you can produce these productions, and on the kind of insanely budget budget kind of productions I'm doing, and they come out sounding really, really nice. And uh, uh, yeah, I was very pleased with how Most Dangerous Game came out. We did a rendition of uh, Sorry, Wrong Number that'll be coming out in uh, the week after next on Radio Drama Revival. And after that, the one the one I'm most excited about is Three Skeleton Key, which I thought there was no way a producer could bring anything new to Three Skeleton Key, but we recorded in the lighthouse on the coast of Maine, and I, it was a phenomenal experience. It, it just the sound in there was unlike any you'd get anywhere, and I'm I'm really excited for how that when I can finally uh, get that out there. Oh, that sounds good. It sounds really terrific, and this is uh, it, how do you, what's the term we're using for it? I think just field recording is fine. I mean, it's very much the same style as what uh, Roger Gregg did for In- Infidel, and I was kind of bitching to him via email, and he's the one who, who sort of encouraged me to go to the field. So uh, my recording setup is very similar to what he used in that production. Yeah, and uh, I, that was the one that I, I was just blown away by, the, the what he could do. Um, you know, there's a few pictures of him wandering around, I don't know, European courtyards or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, it just sounds so phenomenal, and it doesn't sound like uh, any other kind of radio drama that I've ever heard. It sounds, yeah. you know, it's like the difference yeah. between, I don't know, videotape and film. When you see, <laughs> when you see it on, on the screen, you, you know, you really mm-hmm. notice the difference. And when you hear audio that's recorded in a real place versus, you know... Yeah. Even like just even if you get original, you know, field recordings and then you layer them in, the studio still sound, sounds a certain way. Yeah, and and I think I, I hear it from my actors as well. Like they, you know, part of it's like the pilgrimage of like going out to the lighthouse. We had to get there at the docks, find parking with all these tourists around us. The the, the lighthouse keepers are extremely kind. They they uh, drove us out, you know, took us out on their boat out to the island. And you get there and you're like, whoa. We're actually at a freaking lighthouse, and it's just—it's a mental thing, I think, that helps. And you know, there there are people. A lot of producers have challenges. They're cast as you know, they've cast across the internet, so they have people all across the world. Obviously, it's hard to get you know, without a multi-million-dollar budget, they're not going to fly them all to the same place. But um, I've always tried to cast locally and produce locally for that very reason that I can, um, you know, get people going going places. Because yeah, I, I'm I'm happy with how I'm really happy with how it comes out. 
well, it's come out uh, really good. The only two times I've heard it done. Um, three skeleton keys coming up on the podcast. Is that right? Yeah, that'll be about mid-November. Um, I do I, another kind of tradition of Ray Drum revivals. I do did the Halloween all you know scary stories all October, but then I sort of feature scary stories into November because they just get so many. It's like yeah. where do you start? You get all this great stuff, and so um, that'll be about mid-November, and that'll sort of be the capstone of the the horror scene, and then we'll sort of be moving into other material after that. Uh, yeah, I wanted to one. I wanted to ask, um, what kind of equipment do you need to do field recording? What do you use? If you, yeah, I mean, I I use a Marantz PMD six hundred and sixty. That's a compact flash recorder. They have a new one, uh, a follow up model for that out now that I think is pretty cool. And I use a Rode NT four microphone. It's a XY pair stereo mic that comes on as one unit. Um, that works quite well. However, if you were if you were on super low budget, like if I if that was very on my very first radio drum, if I just had one of these Zoom H2s, I could do it all on that because this is a decent field recorder. Um, if you had like maybe um, the H4N or one of the slightly fancier ones, um, obviously there's a who else makes there's a, there's a couple there are a lot of what's really been very interesting is the SD card. Um, portable recorder market has really exploded. There's a lot of very nice models available. So um, any of, any of those, you know, a two hundred to three hundred dollar device, could, you could do you could do fairly well with that um, as your only piece of equipment. Uh, my rig is about a thousand dollars, and obviously a thousand dollar rig is different than a two hundred dollar rig. But for your first production, you probably wouldn't need to do that. So it's pretty impressive what you can do now. I mean, that that material. Was- those sound recording devices are much less expensive than they used to be. Yeah, and super, it, super easy to work with. Is it just the technology, or is there, like, a bigger demand for it now that... I mean, it, it just the list Probably. of... Just the list of the, you know, number of people doing amateur radio drama is is getting bigger, it seems. Or maybe we're just hearing more about it. I don't know. What do you think? I I think it's both. I think you're. Yeah, I think it's both. I think there's a a very nice thing that's happened with equipment. I kind of like the same thing that's happened with indie filmmaking. There's a there's a medium, the, the means to produce it is decreasing in price, and the distribution model is increasing. So, uh, you know, you can as an audio drama producer, you know, ten years ago, you were. You know, I could be in the same thing. I could be doing the same thing, but I'd be doing it all through the radio station mostly. I wouldn't know that there was an Indian internet audience. I'd only only be doing it locally. And there's, and it's, you know, you you don't have all the resources of the community. There's so many people that I've met through listservs, through audiodramatalk.com, through who stumbled across my website and contacted me. And it really is a very strong community. You can ask any sort of questions you want, and people are very kind and and very helpful. And that's. I think just fosters new artists all the time um, and at the same time people are listening the podcast is very easy to start your own podcast and it's very easy to get equipment that's good that produces a, a decent product um, you know if you if you really wanted to you could use a USB you know headset from Radio Shack for 20 bucks and it would sound you know it would be a starter effort but it would sound like something uh, if you can get a USB headset for twenty bucks, I, I'll buy it because <laughs> I I gotta tell you, once you go USB, it it goes up to at least fifty yeah. or sixty. But I, I hear what you're saying. It's it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely getting cheaper. But mm-hmm. I'm just amazed. Like it seems every big city now at least has one radio drama troupe. Yeah. Um, either uh, it still it still baffles me that not everybody's you know, putting their stuff on the internet, but... Yeah, yeah, that's... Um, that's... Uh, like, the the people you worked with to record these uh, three radio dramas in the field, um, what did they call The Mad... What was Mad it? Horse Theater Company. Mad yeah, and I have... And I have a... Yeah, I do have a huge debt of thanks for them because they're... They're actually a stage theater company based here in Portland. Ah. And they... And they uh, were... Well, I worked with their sound designer for Waiting for a Window. She did all the um, the drums and the sounds. Uh, she did all the music for the piece. And uh, she was interested enough to, and kind enough to introduce me to the other members of her, the company. And they were like, oh, sure, we'll try it out. And that was kind of where the, the OTR thing, because, you know, generally, obviously, I'm, I'm interested in doing original work. I, have a, I was like, old-time radio, I'm not sure how this is going to work. But it was a 
a project to introduce us and this introduce them to radio drama and I, it was really pleased with how it all came together and they were super really fun group of people obviously they're professional actors they adapted to audio very quickly um, and they all are used to working with each other so there was a, a nice rapport among the cast that I got instantly and um, they are we we're all very happy with how it came out we're hoping to do more projects of this maybe we can write some grants or get some sort of interest to do this and um, maybe one day we'll have a budget we're, we'll, we'll, we'll sleep I, I, even if you don't have a budget um, it's it's just it it seems like um, you know it, it's great to, for people to get paid, but it seems yep. that people are you know hungry for for performing and people are mm-hmm. hungry for l- listening and there's um, just I mean I, I was really impressed with waiting for a window didn't that win uh, uh, a when, time the the gold ogle okay the ogle right this so the the twin the, the what's sister the sister between the ogle and the mark time again. Mark Time is for, and Ogle is for fantasy, quote, everything else. Ah, I got um, you. Okay. So, yeah, horror fits in there, too. Right. Waiting for a Window was uh, last year, was it? 2008? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was about September 08 is when it went out. It's sort of like a, um, a sea, a sea heaven. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard <laughs> to say. Yeah. It was actually it was inspired by a trip to Florida, and and I was in southern Florida on a boat. Um, we were going down the intercoastal waterway, and when you arrived in some of these places in southern Florida that were just a skip over from the Bahamas, you met a lot of people who were intending to get to the Bahamas and just never quite got there. And that's kind of that's kind of the culture, you know, the people who are who are at the tiki bar every night, um, getting down, waiting, kind of fixing their boats, kind of not really getting their boats fixed and kind of never really leave the marina and you know yeah. jimmy buffett you know it's jimmy buffett in hell kind of thing well it's interesting because um you know it it, it is kind of like you did capture something about uh boat boat people thing is is you can never be done right it's not like no. you can you, you just have to go back and you keep working on it and by the time you're finished fixing the you know the roof. The, uh, <laughs> the bottom end needs to be fixed, and it's a lot, a lot of work involved. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a, a pretty amazing um, entry, and it, it was entirely original, right? You, that was yeah, and that that was may have been entirely the first time. I, I challenged myself in a couple of ways. One, I got rid of the narrator because a lot of I'm coming. I come from like a creative writing background, so a lot of my stories originated short stories and were very much you know uh third part you know that that kind of expository writing driven mm-hmm. and um i tried to eliminate that and challenge myself to t- reveal the whole story through dialogue um and, and also the whole thing was uh, recorded all the sound effects were created for it so there's not a single canned effect from a library in there um you know nothing against libraries but you have a lot more control when you're doing it yourself and uh, you can get just the right sound for the production, and that's that was you know I challenged myself in a lot of fronts, and I think it, and it took I didn't force myself to produce it too quickly. I didn't really set a hard deadline, but it came together when it needed to come together, and I think it's it, it's it stands strong. Um, you know, as, as definitely was my strongest piece to date, and I hope to continue to top it. Is it was that uh, at least partially field recorded too? I seem to remember it had a at least um, a lot of original. Yeah, like you're saying, a lot of original non-library material. Yeah, no, that, that was in the field. Uh, starting with the, my piece in uh, fall of 07, The Dark Passenger, everything's been field recorded since then. Wow. Okay. Um, Dark, Dark Passenger was in a creepy, it was in an old house on the Old Orchard Beach, Maine, and uh, Waiting for a Window was recorded at a bar. Well, it wasn't really a bar, but for all intents and purposes, it was a bar, a marina, and out in the woods, um near Scarborough Marsh here in Maine. You know. Just uh going through the the archives of um radio radio drama revival. You've got a bunch of wireless uh radio theater stuff coming from the UK. Yeah, I'm I'm there it's been kind of fun cuz they're a person who came on the scene about, you know, a little after I was there, but they you know, have evolved quite a lot, and it's been great to hear the results of them continuing to improve and innovate. You know, they, um, they've they done some, some live shows. The piece I did uh, just this past week, The Grim of Stockton's Hall, is 
really great. It's just a wonderful tribute slash spoof of Edgar Allan Poe. And um, then they do they do they mix in British comedy with you know with with some serious drama. And I, I've been really impressed with everything. And they they produce quite regularly. Um, so that's been one of the groups that I've seen you know come come to fruition, really coming to their own the last two years, and been quite impressed by that. Yeah, I I remember them uh, emailing me a while ago, and I, I the first thing I listened to it it was competent, but it just didn't wasn't compelling. But I think I'm gonna have to give them another shot. Yeah, I also like the Medusa in the Beach was another one I featured recently, which is another fun one. I I'm just a sucker for myth. I love mm-hmm. uh, telling either folk tale or mythology inspired tales. So that this is it's a really fun take on the Medusa mythology. Um, that one, so uh, that that also made it on the podcast. Here's a sort of a background question. This is, it's, it's like you you almost probably won't be able to remember. But what what got you into radio drama at all? It actually was a complete. <laughs> it was a complete accident, actually. Okay. Um, I I. It sort of yeah. So I was in New Orleans for a year on exchange from University of Maine. I, I studied film there and came back not really being satisfied with film. Um, I, then I had to finish. I had to finish out school, and we had a senior project. And long story short, there was I got we got assigned to this group to a radio drama. I'm like, what the hell is a radio drama? <laughs> and we did this one piece, which um, hopefully no one will ever hear because it could be embarrassing <laughs> at this point. But we did this, and I was like, I think there's something here. I think I can really work in this. So I actually, my whole senior thesis at college was was radio drama. I took a short story that I had written while I was in New Orleans that was kind of summed up in, in a lot of ways ex- my experience there um, and, and turn it into a research slash creative project and that was the outcome of that was Day of the Dead which was my first real foray as Final Room well it wasn't even really a Final Room production at that point because I had no uh, dream that I was going to keep doing it but I, I was I was sad I really was very pleased with how Day of the Dead came out um, you know, in retrospect I would do a lot of things differently but it was for not having any freaking clue what I was doing it, it's a pretty decent piece and uh, it, you know the rest was history I had a lot of other short stories and, you know I, I had one that I had written that I just reread and I was like this would be perfect for audio so I, I adapted that and then I just uh, got hooked and kept doing it kept adapting more stories and so I'm you still kind of late like uh, you know it wasn't like you're a little kid and you're listening to Hitchhiker's no, Guide no, to the Galaxy not. or something Exactly. I'm not one of those people who have grown up with radio. Um, I really have more of a literary background, you know, and and a lot of fantasy novels. I loved the uh, Margaret Way and Tracy Hickman's their uh, Dragonlance Chronicles. Right. Loved those books as a kid. Um, read the whole Robert Jordan saga. Lost it about the seventh book. Um, uh, you know that 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 sort of fantasy mythology. Also, you know, a lot of the Final Fantasy video games mythology and that sort of. Th- Thing and then radio drama really only started experiencing yeah the last three years or so. Interesting. I'm just uh, uh, there's I don't think there is a radio drama version of uh, the Dragonland stuff. I know there was an audio book uh, done. There's probably a movie, a cartoon movie or something. But uh, that's a that'd be a huge project. But you might consider uh, going after it. That could be fun. I mean, I know they've done some stuff with Drizzt um, in audio drama, especially in, in uh, Germany. Um, I, I, yeah, Germany I, has huge interest in radio drama for some reason. Yeah, the Horspiel. Um, Horspiel? The contrib- <laughs> yeah, the contributor, Chris Duker, the contributor to Radio Drama Revival, knows much more than I do because he actually speaks German, listens to this stuff. and uh-huh. uh, par- Apparently, yeah, TSR has got a whole huge franchise in Germany with this stuff, which is kind of cool. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I, there's somewhere on Radio Drama Revival in the or- archives, there are samples of what like a minute of this stuff he- sounds like, and you can't un- understand a word of it, but they are very elaborate, very professional-sounding productions. Yeah, uh, uh, my understanding, um, I was talking to uh, someone uh, who's, who's from Germany and uh, into radio drama, and he was telling me that um, the, the reason that it's so big in Germany is because a lot of the actors uh, who are doing it are doing dubbing work for um, movies. So some countries you go to, they dub the language. Other, you know, the movie, tr- the the audio track, and others they put subtitles in. And in Germany, it's a Definitely. dubbing. Uh, the, you right. go to the theater, you're going to hear it in in German. So 
what they do is they get a guy who will do all Tom Cruise's dubbing, right? So he is effectively the voice of Tom Cruise in Germany. And then that guy is, you know, he's got a following. Um, and then they, they cast him in something else, and he's playing, you know, Tom Cruise <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in this radio drama. And so there's, there's like a, a crossover appeal. We don't have that, uh, you know, what, what foreign films we do have, they're all subtitled in North yeah. America. But yeah. uh, I, yeah. it's a very <laughs> it's interesting effect. That's cool. I would, I would love to see more. Um, even what the the they have in England, where you know television series would would debut, you know, make a debut as. So I'd love to see that model, or or you know, just more short, even uh, like screenplays, you know, making doing a run as an audio drama first. I think there's a lot of a lot of fruit there that can be done that that um, the visual media hasn't quite give it hasn't quite tried out and, and used audio drama to the greatest effect. Uh, Torchwood is is doing. Uh radio drama with their with their actors from the show um, <clears throat> didn't we have a company somewhere doing scripts movie scripts as audio drama oh, I, 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 I recall that but I don't remember the name of it that was a while ago I think but I think you're right there's yeah, there's were, there, there was a Lux Radio Theater scripts. did it uh, they would that was back in the 40s and 50s they would do um you know, they what they would do is they'd put the movie out, and then they'd do a very shortened version of the movie on the radio with the same actors. So Humphrey Bogart in some movie, and then he's Humphrey Bogart on the radio. Yeah, Academy Award Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a, there was one called Lux Radio Theater too, which was a soap brand. Um, and the one I was listening to last night was sponsored by Autolite, which which is like uh, spark plugs. It's uh, it's like this it, it, interesting. Like the you wouldn't think spark plugs would be a huge uh, <laughs> business model to yeah. advertise. You'd think it'd be Coca Cola Presents or something, but no. Um, what, what what do you think? What do you think the chances of? Uh, I mean, the show's called Radio Drama Revival. I don't yeah. think I don't think that it's it's like uh, I don't think radio drama is where it's going to happen. I think yeah. if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I don't know, as a audio drama revival of yeah, yeah. internet. What, what do you think? Yeah, well, you know, radio drama revival just rings off your tongue a little easier. It does, than, oh, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, great, uh, great title. Audio drama evolution. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't work. Um, but you're very right. I mean, it's it's it, what we're talking about is storytelling using audio without a visual component, or even, you know, not necessarily without a visual component either. I mean, I've seen people try to do this stuff and throw like a slideshow thing on, um, uh, on like YouTube. You know, I I really respect what Tom Lopez. He's kind of tried filming some of his like two minute. You know, he's he's in the four minute film noir. So it's a it's an audio drama, but there's also the video. If you go to the site, you can you know enjoy it either way. So it's, but it you know there's a lot of different. What's not important so much is the distribution model is kind of what the what the art is and how people hear it. You know, it's like what is what does the audience want? Uh, you know, this is alternative to music and news programming for uh, your iPod. Exactly. You know, that's that's the. I mean, it, it's it's it seems to me like such a shame that we've got all these radio stations broadcasting exactly the same stuff. Um, I, I actually think radio radio drama would make a hell of a lot of sense, and if it was on my local radio station, I would be totally tuning into it. But the problem is, is even when it is on, it's on you know at three o'clock in the morning, and it's not on consistently. And you know they'll they'll put up a serial, and then it's next week the episode is a preceding episode. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's true. It's I mean, radio is put on generally. Yeah, and and radio is just not really the best. You know, radio as a format, unfortunately, is dying because the, the corporate pigs have destroyed it, at least here in America. Uh, and that's, you know, hopefully the Internet's managed to resist that so far. They haven't, like, you know, privatized the Internet, so now content is cheap and can be anywhere. And that's, I guess that's the one thing about audio drama. Is even in, in its heyday, maybe, maybe in its heyday it was, it was mainstream, but, you know, even, say, Britain today, it's still kind of a, a niche thing. It's not really mass appeal generally speaking and that's fine in a digital environment where you don't have to have physical space or you have a spec you know radio stations a million dollars that's only 
broadcasts on one frequency, but if you have a million frequencies, you know, radio, there should be as much radio drama as you can possibly imagine on it. Um, so th- that's the difference, is the distribution not being limited to channels so much. Well, yeah, when, um, the, what's the satellite radio, when the, these two, XM and Sirius, came out, I thought, oh, this is perfect, right? Now we're going to have a national distribution for, for radio drama. Um, and there is one station uh, in the, yeah. uh, one, uh, now that they merged. I think it, it's 163 here, um, but it's mostly not radio drama it's, or audio drama. It's mostly um, other stuff. And, yeah, and even what they have, it's, it's not well-funded, right? It's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's expensive, um, and it's not ad-free is my understanding anymore. I yeah, and it's, yeah, the satellite has done a terrible thing. I mean, I think their fundamental flaw is they were trying to be commercial radio without commercials, and they realized they still needed commercials, and they just, they didn't make themselves different, you know. And, and I guess I guess the thing is, it's, uh, I lost it. Uh, <laughs> it's easy easy to lose. Yeah, it's easy to lose. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, as as long as Pete is, it's, okay. But I was gonna say, there's a there's a sort of a self fulfilling prophecy with audio radio drama, and, and this is Roger Gregg kind of told me about this, and it's in a. Um, I had a great interview with him. It's a bit of a pessimistic interview, but it's it's <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, when I was in Ireland. And um, you know, he basically said there's a the self fulfilling prophecy, um, at least at least over there, you know, where it's publicly funded, where there's like, well, there's this sort of this opinion. If you look at the numbers, you say, well, audio drama is not very popular, so let's you know, let's let's just cut the budget. Let's like kind of make these more low budget productions. Let's you know, take away the ability for us to go out in the field. Let's 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 you know, not write commission so much original work, and let's use more popular work. And they sort of, by doing this, continue to shrink the audience. And they're like, look, see, see, look. You know, audio drama's audience is very small, and the reason is not that there isn't a potential for people to enjoy this form of entertainment, but that they're putting out, you know, humdrum stuff, forgettable stuff, and not pushing the envelopes and trying new things and seeing what, you know, expanding the the horizons of the art form. Yeah, I I sometimes think that, you know, movies, um, if if you cut off people from access to movies for a certain period of time, um... And, you know, said, you're not allowed to go to the movie theater for 50 years. And then said, uh, let's start the movie industry back up again. I think you would have a serious problem of getting people motivated to go to a movie theater. You lose yeah. the culture of, of, of doing that activity. Um, you're going to program people to not do that activity. And you, it's been such a vast wasteland on the radio for so long that... When when I do hear of people doing it on the radio these days, it's on small stations like what you yours and uh, it's a you know nonprofit community radio station where they they say sure you want you you've got mm-hmm. some ideas let's bring them up you know but that they don't think there doesn't seem to be anybody who's saying well why don't we try and make some money by being a bit different. Sure. It's true, and at least in America, you have the FCC to help thank for that a lot, large, large, large ways. Yeah, well, Canadian, Canadian, the, you know, CBC is currently mothballed all the new, new audio drama production, and that's sort of not been the tradition. We've been keeping, you know, at least one major show per year. Um, we do have one that's still running, but I, I, I don't understand exactly how long that will be but um it, and it is the same way you know it's like it's not a major part of our you know it's not uh, ev- no, not everybody's tuning in but mm-hmm. with the ability to podcast your material once it's up i mean i i'm desperate to get more bbc stuff because they yeah. produce so much so much great material there there are thousands of people downloading the stuff it's got to be you know, demand for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think people still haven't figured out how to make money on it, which makes a lot of people very, very anxious. But I think, you know, you have to go with what the audience wants first. And, you know, uh, they don't seem to have too much issue with all these social media sites starting up without a business model. But when it comes true. to producing entertainment, they, they get all panicked and not about it. I guess, 
I guess that's a topic of conversation on Audio Drama Talk. I, I, I don't visit there regularly, but is mm-hmm. that is that what people are talking about? Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Just <laughs> I'm not sure. There's, there's there's there are a bunch of interesting chats though about different aspects of the production and the and the situation and whatnot. Um, was it Scott? Wasn't there a story um, about was it Colonial Radio Theater had one of their shows being turned into a cartoon? Um, Sounds familiar. No, the, the only uh, similar thing that I know is the the folks who do the Anne Manx series. Okay. Um, they were producing their own uh, cartoon, but I don't know uh, if it went anywhere. Okay. Yeah. The I I always think of um, of uh, the Red Panda could be turned into a cartoon fairly easily. Um, there are, there are a few bits here and there where it you know they they do a little more telling you than showing you. Yeah. Um, but the, <laughs> that's you know the nature of the beast. But um, it, it wouldn't be you know f- compared to what you see as in a cartoon. Uh, I don't see any cartoons now worth watching. But I would watch that show. Yeah. I, you know I think you're I think you're onto something there because I kind of had this a similar thought in in the reverse sense um, with with like Joe Lansdale. He's you know the horror writers had. His work, he's I guess mostly a writer for fiction, but then he's had his work adapted into so many other media, including audio drama, among other things, that you think, you know, and ultimately what we're talking about is stories. In any franchise, audio drama should just be one format. And, yep. and though I, I'm, I'm working in audio drama now, I do have ideas of releasing certain pieces of work as short stories and other media. And, uh, and you're very right, you know, if audio drama became a mechanism for expanding franchises or developing franchises that expanded into other media. I think that's a wonderful um, use of it. it. Seems it seems to me that the the hard work is done. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the 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 story is the hardest part. Finding a good story is the hardest part. Producing it is you know damn hard too. But mm-hmm. then the visual aspect now it seems to be becoming easier with with uh, increasing um, you know. In the same way that the hardware for audio recording is getting better, the software yeah. for rendering—I um, mean, people—people people are into what's that called, machinima, where you take uh, in-game characters and perform stories. Hmm. Um, it, it's done just by people who are, you know, having fun with with the uh, with the ability to move characters around. On, in vi- vi- video, I don't mm-hmm. see it as uh, you know being done for profit. But the um, there's such a back catalog of of modern audio drama that could be turned. In. I mean, just think of the the grist mill uh, stuff. Yeah. Um, that would make a great anthology series of uh, you know animated horror. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Yeah, really, very easily. Yeah, kind of like the the creep show. Um, series that was out for a little bit um was that animated uh, i don't I, I think it was a mixture i think there i remember there's like comic book kind of elements to it okay. but yeah you know th- anything's like that but you're you're right there's just a lot of uh I, I don't think audio drama producers should also feel that they you know they should definitely look look at the themselves in the entire entertainment industry and i don't think that necessarily happens a lot especially with people who kind of are are doing it on a hobbyist level they may not be thinking about the, the larger entertainment picture and how that, the work fits into the, the, you know, okay, who else might want to listen to this? Or how do I get people to listen to this? What kind of other things might these people be interested in doing and how we could expand it? But hopefully we'll see some exploration. Well, yeah, I, I guess a, a lot of a lot of people are busy doing it and not, you know, you know, when the time comes to market it, it becomes more difficult to... Uh, uh, you know, get get the energy up for it because you don't get the the returns you get when you when you put in the effort to to create something, it actually comes out. And when you start marketing it, a, lo- a lot of it's you know knocking on doors and getting no response. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, what what have you have you been following Wormwood? That show out of I LA? have. I have. I I really enjoyed Wormwood. Um, they 
I don't know if I, I think they stumbled across me actually there uh, when it very first came out and I was very, very happy with that. And, um, you know, I was, I was glad to see it go into the second season. Now, you know, they have a, th- a third one coming out and, mm-hmm. uh, production wise, I still had some things I'd like to see them work on, but overall as a, as a series, it's really, it's really, I think the writing is, is among the best you're going to see in a, an audio drama uh, still is. Yeah, it's it's like um, I was I was thinking that it it would make a very good uh, you know uh, it, you put them you put them closer together you don't spread them out quite so much um, it, it's easy to hold the the serial nature in your head yeah um, so what I'm, I'm I wait for the seasons to finish and then zip through them quite quickly and it's 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 a it's sort of I I don't think it's something I've seen before in audio drama at all. I don't know. Um, they're right in Hollywood. They could probably um, get start a lot knocking of, on some doors. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure they are. But um, I, I would watch that show. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I I keep thinking like um, you know sketch style of art rather than you know computer animated. I think would work really well for a lot of the horror horrific stuff. Speaking speaking of um, October, what do you think? Do you think I I wrote in uh, on the website about how I think October is a big month for radio drama for basically one reason, and that that's uh, War of the Worlds. What do you think? Is that true? It's interesting. I didn't. I I I definitely think it's a big month. I didn't think about linking it back to War of the Worlds. Um, I. I guess I was thinking even deeper rooted to just the mythology of Halloween as a holiday of being, you know, ghouls and goblins and all of that. And um, uh, for some reason, audio is just a format that's very good for expressing those kinds of tales. Um, one of the gems, I- I'm going to be doing a big post, I think, at some point this month on, on just great Halloween stuff, because no matter how much I try to put out, there's still more stuff I can't cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of, one of those gems is Vincent Price reading spooky tales like recipe on how to uh call forth a were call forth a werewolf or, or things like that and just mm-hmm. weird spooky ghost stories and it's just it's just wonderful it's an old record um and, and there's a lot of gems out there like that so i think the audio format very very early you know especially with radio drama but i think even before radio drama the whole ghost story you know piece of culture you know all that is oral is almost a, an extension of the oral tradition, which is really where you know radio drama has its roots, telling a story and spooking someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it seems you know fantasy and horror are very popular to work with in in radio drama, and I guess it's science fiction War of the Worlds, but it certainly came across as horror. <laughs> it did. Wow. It did. Your special effects budget is unlimited in audio drama, isn't it? It's true. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's limited it's, to the amount of celery you can buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the, the CGI celery is just so much higher budget. You, know. <laughs> you can feel the bones breaking. It's good stuff. Uh. Yeah, um, I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of, you know, people redoing. Uh, the War of the Worlds over and over again. But it seems to be, you know, if anybody knows anything about radio drama, that's the only one they know. If you've got one thing in your (laughs) mind, it's that. Whereas me, the first thing I would think of is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I don't think that was... I think that was summer. (laughs) I don't think it was uh, October. And it's certainly not horror. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think most people People, it, you know, ironically, hear the books and had, may have no idea it originated in, in radio, which is a bit yeah. Funny, but. And it's kind of like what you were saying. You know, it doesn't have to uh, stay in one medium. And certainly, I think I think yeah. the book is actually better than the radio drama because it's more polished, it's more yeah. thoughtful. Uh, not that not that it's about deep thinking, but it it is about the the jokes. Yeah, it, it gets a little. You know, you get more jokes. Um, and I do like the, the radio drama uh, version, but I, I I preferred just Douglas Adams t- reading me the story. 
Uh, speaking of which, um, I I've been listening to uh, a new one starring Simon Jones called uh, the. Adventures of Sexton Blake. Have you heard about that one? I haven't. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's great. Um, it was on BBC Two, and um, it is uh, Scott. How how much have you heard of it? Um, well, when it was on the radio, I heard probably three or four episodes, but they were really short. Yeah, they are really and short then, episodes. Yeah, what do we have now? Um, the extended versions or whatever. I've heard just the first one. And it's like... Uh, and it's Dirk Maggs did that, I think, right? Yeah, it's Dirk Maggs. It's got a rich, rich sound <laughs> escape, uh, sound um, landscape. But uh, what, what's really funny about it is the it's almost stream of consciousness. So nice. the first line of dialogue will come out, and then um, the other person will give a refinement of what they said. Um, <laughs> and then it's, the joke is like, there's no... Uh, there's no controls. It's all—it's all for humor, but it—the, you know, it's a mystery and it's a crime adventure. But they're—they're um, they're driving in a car and they go over a jump, <laughs> and he says, "Now that we're in the air, it's the perfect time for you to tell me <laughs> what what your problem is about this mystery you need me to solve." <laughs> and she starts talking, right? And then, like about three or four minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> he realized that they're still in the air. He says, "Oh, that's yeah. a good place to land. You you land the car over there." <laughs> um, it it takes it 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 could not work. It could not work at all. It's completely designed for for the audio experience, and it could not work as a um, as a, a visual because the jokes all come from the format, the the jokes within the format. So. I think there's there's plenty of uh, uh, that would be a great uh, radio drama actually is I guess it's been done radio drama about radio drama but yeah. with um, people who are uh, aware of you know the 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 little problems <laughs> of narrators etc. There's a new project yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. So Postmodern <laughs> audio drama. Yeah. I, I, I find myself um, endlessly fascinated by listening to new new stuff and people coming up with new materials to do it. Yeah. That's cool. That looks. I just found their website. That looks that looks really awesome. Obviously, the BBC is great and it's great cast, and obviously, Dirk Mags is you know top of the game. Yeah. I think another one of my favorite. Uh Halloween ones is the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, oh yes. Have you heard that one by Yuri Rozovsky? I'm not sure if I've heard his. I I think I think actually when when you say that it reminds me of something that Tom Lopez did a series called the the Cabinet of Dr. Fritz, which I think is a a, a spin on that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I haven't heard that, of that one. Yeah. Um, it's 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 not it's it's a kind of a it's a bunch of different kind of little shorts that are. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, Tom Tom Lopez uh, didn't he do the the cell phone theater? Yeah, those are Is really he, good. Those are really yeah, those are too. really neat. Uh, three uh, three minutes long or something like that. Three minute cell phone yeah, theater, and chilling and or something. Yeah, and like it's that. all yeah, and it's all either someone on a cell phone or or somehow involved. It's it's very funny. <laughs> it's good, and that would be and on uh, ZBS dot org. Yeah, yeah, and that's well tentacles coming up from you know all kinds of spooky funny you know just all sorts of the, the, the characters of different horror um in two minutes or less <laughs> <laughs> um there's also there's also i'm just looking at the yuri rozovsky wikipedia page uh, the blackstone audio came out with um their adaptation of the maltese falcon with him uh, as the director, Ma- Michael Madsen, Sandra O, oh, Edward Herman, uh, doing a radio drama version uh, for an audiobook company. There, that might be a way to market market um, audiobooks, or just directly to Audible now that they've got this new enhanced uh, uh, sound quality, because it is it is yeah. in stereo now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, I think I think you're. I mean, I, that's. I think that's been a huge thing. I, I don't know how much audiobook publishers want to pay for audio drama, but I think it is 
obviously a captive audience. You know, some people I think really are kind of really strictly like single voice narrators. That's me. Fine. But yeah. I, I, but I, also, I, I also like radio drama and audio. Yeah. So so I think uh, I think that's obviously a, a logical place. I don't think like, there's so many books that are out there. Obviously, the publishing industry, published writers, is where to go, especially people who have a built-in following. But maybe, maybe um, one thing to to do would be to have um, uh, some sort of anthology of audio drama. Um, you know, different different people presenting their best material and saying, you know, let's get together, get one one collection of our best material from whatever you know, audio drama talk vote or whatever on, yeah. on different material that came out in a certain year, and then. Uh, get you know, submit it, submit it to Audible directly because they they do buy stuff. They mm-hmm. they just picked up the uh, the um, out of print um, Ray Bradbury series um, called the Bradbury Thirteen, and mm-hmm. I can't imagine that that's not going to bring them good business given how awesome oh, yeah. it is. It's got to be something. Yeah, I still yeah, need to finish this into that. I listened to a Sound of Thunder um, from Audible, and mm-hmm. it's definitely in stereo, so I was yeah. very happy. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, good. That was, uh, that's been one of the things that's bummed me about Audible for so long. Yeah. I mean, uh, audio drama needs stereo. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No kidding. I know. And you and you take out all the frequencies, it's there's not much left. No, I think I think the sound quality is just good enough now that it's it's uh, it's def it's. It's worth getting just just um, now at this point. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to get into it on Audible, that now is the time. I'm not sure that any older material that they have would be available in the uh, the higher res format, but any new new stuff certainly should be. Mm-hmm. And um, I wonder if I'm going to check and see if they have the that new Maltese Falcon. Uh, from Blackstone yeah. on there. If they do, that that might be the the real test. Something longer. That is that is fabulous. That particular piece. Uh, they they did a wonderful job with that. Oh, you, you, have you heard that one? I have. Um, I had a there's a short review for it somewhere on Radio Drum Revival. Um, I I thought they did a s- splendid job. The let's see if I can dig it up. The actor who played the lead is just Michael Manson. Splendid. Yeah, I, it was just I had a wonder, I just had a wonderful time. It just is. Splendid. It's it's dark. It just is punchy and and the dial. There's just such room for the dialogue to shine. You know, there's mm-hmm. and the narrator. It's one of those. If you want to, you know, see how a narrator can be used well, it was used very well with the Maltese Falcon because, you know, he's part of the character. It's not like he's all right, telling the story. story. It's not like story stop. Some guy tells you a bunch of crap. Then you're back in the story. It's like, you know, he, that's you're like dark. Bro. You know, it's got a, it's just film noir. It's just the noir done so well and. It, and especially, you know, you mentioned sci-fi and fantasy. There's also a lot of mystery in audio drama. Mm-hmm. And this is like, if you wanted to see what is good audio drama mystery, take, check out the Maltese Falcon. And you get an example of what good, very good mystery, noir, detective audio drama can sound like. Well, I, I, I think that I'm going to have to check that out now. That's a high recommendation. Um, Maltese Falcon is a good story, adapted well. That sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's, and there's like, you know, sound effects. It's funny, it's not overproduced. You know, the sound effects and music are quite subtle. Um, it's just, just, they just basically, I feel like Yuri sort of step back and let the char- the the actors, let the characters take them over, and it's just the characters, you know, go through this thing. Um, I think they did a really, really good job with it. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way um, uh, Red Panda does does their their show. It's more actory than it is. Uh, you know, you don't hear a lot of footsteps at all. Yeah, it's mostly done through through dialogue. But on the other hand, like you were saying, um, I don't think I don't think narration's a bad thing at all. No, um, it's just usually it's a sign of of a weak adapt adaptation. Um, because they, it's people who are not understanding that uh, it's it's a drama and it's not an audiobook, and yeah. um, so uh, I mean a lot of the complaint I have with uh, with 
you know, if it's an audiobook, it's an audiobook. If it's an audio drama, it's an audio drama. Um, a lot of the complaint is just that it's done badly. So somebody mm-hmm. will, set, you know, narrate the line that says, you know, lightning. And then, and then the you sound hear of the lightning. lightning. And I, uh, you <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. understand that it, you, you choose. You don't do yeah. both. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, he said angrily does not need to be <laughs> added yeah. in there. But no. um, a narration is uh, a story is storytelling. It's just mm-hmm. it's got to be used properly. So uh, that that sounds like a really good adaptation. Uh, Yuri Rozovsky's got you know a lot of experience, so it does sound terrific. Hmm. There's been quite a few adaptations of that particular uh, story too, as well. Yeah. Did you see the story I put up uh, late last night? I just, I just, I just was looking at it this morning. That looks really interesting. I have to check out. Let me see if I got it right. Is it Ghost Hunt? Or did I get... uh, it's called. Um, uh, it's a novel called Rogue Mail. Rogue Mail. Rogue Mail. And it's it's a yep. it's a um, a guy in 1939 <laughs> Europe from England. Mm-hmm who has a, uh, a dictator in his sights uh, when a guard stops him uh, from shooting. Uh, 1939 Europe, you can probably figure out who it is he's got in his sights. Yeah. Um, well, in the novel, they never say who he is. Right? The narrator's never named, even though he's telling the story. Um, the, uh, the dictator's never named. The country's never named. There's like... Um, <laughs> you know, it's all obvious, right? If you have any sort of understanding of the geographies, I crossed the border from Poland into this country, and um, you know, he talks about their culture, and um, he never names any of that stuff because um, it's part of the story. It's, it's just a way, an effective storytelling. But in every adaptation, they always tell. <laughs> they always tell, and they always show. Um, so in the, in the 1941 movie, um, you know, you see Adolf Hitler. And in the 1979 movie, you see Adolf Hitler. But you can't do that. Um, you can't do a movie without showing the person, right? And it's so true. you see the guy with the mustache, you know who it is. Whereas yeah. in a book, um, it, it's, uh, it's something that you can choose to show or choose not to. You don't need to describe... Uh, you know, the color of their uniform in great detail or, you know, the arrangement of their mustache on their face. You can just tell the story your own way. And um, I, I think that there's, there are ways to tell um, more interesting stories than to show everything. And that's one of the reasons yeah. I thought this was such a terrific version. It's also, it, it, it came to me because it, it is the same theme. It's man hunting man, right? Um, the original movie version is called uh, Manhunt, and the story has been adapted most famously, uh, or not, it's not adapted, it was inspired by First Blood, you know that movie with uh, oh, yes. Sylvester Stallone. It's a similar <laughs> escape story. Oh, it's a great, uh, that's a great movie. The, the rest in the series are garbage, but that's a great movie. It, 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 it's not super intellectual. But it is very well done, and it's a—it's um, not as deep as Rogue Mail is, but um, definitely look into it. There's there's been uh, three audio drama adaptations. I've linked to one of them, the suspense version, and um, the the uh, BBC version, radio drama version, is also available there uh, on RadioArchive.cc, which I, if you haven't checked out, definitely go check that out. I'm not saying you have to do this one next, but uh, you have set a precedent. <laughs> yeah, I'll give, I'll give a listen. Yeah, no, this is this is a great source of story ideas. It's audio.com. <laughs> Thank you. And since I'm not uh, able to write my own stories, uh, I'll I'll uh, just tell people about what stories that Sweet. Are there. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of anything historical and well well done, and this is one of those things. Cool. I was I was really amazed by the uh, the most dangerous game when I first read about it, which was not that long ago, mm-hmm. and I I just thought why haven't I heard about this? I it, apparently a lot of people have read about it in school, 
Um, <laughs> somehow missed that one. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks. I really appreciate yes, the thank time. Thank you very much. Had a pleasure to meet you. Cool. It's awesome to be on the pod. I got some more story ideas, and um, I hope to contribute something to SSF Audio regarding Halloween. Uh, a few Please. things I got up, yes. actually. And um, and I, yeah. If you get anyone who has got um, let's see, a chair, lighter, match, ashtray, <laughs> door, phone, guitar case, or wooden butt machines, send in my way. I've got some sound effects props in here. Okay. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.